So I'm the smallest pastor friend Dave has got. Um, Still unbelievably the tallest member of my family. Most people think that's a joke, but it really isn't. Um, The Irish gene. Um, So it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, Dave and Gloria have been really, um, really good to us. Putting us up, it's been great. Uh, Being in Dubai, we've loved the heat. Everybody said you'll hate the heat. We lived in the Amazon jungle. Um, for several years before we came to Scotland and uh, one of the things we miss about Brazil is just the scorching heat, believe it or not. So we've absolutely loved it here. We came, we came to see Dave and Gloria but really we came to answer the age-old question of what is the best, Wild Wadi or Aquaventure? <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you publicly, I might get into trouble, but you can ask me later which one you think. Is, we think is the best. Right, we're here to worship the Lord. We're here to uh, worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's uh, continue our worship, shall we? We're going to open our Bibles in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be reading from verse 40. And this is God's perfect words. This is the inerrant, infallible words without error. In any part, this is God's words given to men, women, and children for all generations. Let's read together. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. The word of God. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Amen. Several years ago, if you remember, there was a a worldwide panic over something called bird flu. I don't know what they called it in the the UK. We called it SARS. It had an uh, SARS. And uh, it was an illness. I don't know where it started. I can't remember now. But it it was killing uh, many people. Many people were becoming infected. Um, Airports were closing down. Ports were closing down. People were in a real flap about this illness. And then when I was a, a younger boy in the, in, in, the, in the 80s, the early mid-80s, we had AIDS. AIDS became a big thing. HIV and AIDS was causing a massive panic, particularly uh, across Europe at that time. And in the UK, where I come from, we've had all sorts of health scares and uh, health warnings over the years. We've had... Um, you won't remember this, some of you, if you're from the UK, will. We had a massive panic about eggs at one point. Salmonella in eggs, and people stopped buying eggs because they were dangerous and they didn't want to become ill. Perhaps the most famous um, thing to hit the news was mad cow's disease. You remember that? Huge pictures on our tellies every day of hundreds, thousands of corpses of cattle being uh, slaughtered. In, in the, some of the streets in the UK, they had special mats put on the road and you had to walk on a mat to be disinfected to, to keep yourself clean. 
because people were so worried about catching this illness. And then more recently, we had something called swine flu. And that struck the UK, that struck Scotland pretty hard. In fact, at one point last year or two years ago, 10,000 people a day in Scotland were being infected by some form of swine flu. And the country, I remember the country, was on epidemic alert. People were in a panic. The government was in a panic. Businesses were closing down in panic. And, and, and serious illness, I think, is something that all of us fear deep down. To catch some deadly, painful, wasting disease. And we have all sorts of of flesh-eating illnesses coming out of our hospitals in the UK. Uh, And people are so scared, some people, that they're refusing to go to hospital in case they catch something worse than what they were first admitted for. And that's how terrible it is. We have in the news almost constantly um, people suffering with Alzheimer's disease or, or Parkinson's or all sorts of forms of cancer. Dreaded killers that leave you hanging on, but wasting away slowly to your death. And despite all the advances in the world, despite all the medical facilities and improvements we've made in the 21st century, many of these diseases, many of these superbugs, as they're called, have no real cure. And all treatment really can do is slow down the inevitable. We've got research labs, we've got a whole host of pain-killing treatments, things to make us comfortable, but they cannot stop the inevitable death. And you know, when these words were written in Mark chapter 1, people didn't have world-class medical facilities or health insurance or access to all the best medical care. When Mark was written, and and leprosy in this text was very much widespread, not much was known about it. It was treated with perhaps as much fear and suspicion and dread as we think about all these diseases spreading around the world today. People were afraid of it as you would be afraid if somebody mentioned the word Ebola virus to you. If we said there's been an outbreak of Ebola in the building, how many of us would still be in our seats? I'd be straight over Dave and out the door. And people were afraid. This is how they viewed leprosy. They were scared of it. They didn't understand it. They didn't want to catch it. Even in our modern day society, there's still a lot of fear around this illness. The modern name for it is Hansen's disease, for those who are interested. And, And the whole body is affected by this disease. It begins with tiredness and and joint pain. And then it moves on to to scaly uh, spots and and, and, uh, these soon fill with pus. Then the face begins to change. And soon it can take on the appearance of of a lion. It begins to affect the speech, the vocal cords, the body begins to slowly decompose and sufferers give off a terrible smell. Sufferers, 
survive an average of nine years before dying. And perhaps one of the most famous Western doctors who dealt with all forms of leprosy was a man by the name of Dr. Paul Brand. Dr. Paul Brand died in 2003, and uh, he treated many thousands of leprosy sufferers over many decades of his life. And he, he wrote a couple of books with a, a guy called uh, Philip Yancey about his treatments. And his writings are fascinating. Uh, for instance, one of the things he used to prescribe to leprosy suffer, sufferers in India was a cat. He would give them a cat to take home. Every patient went home with a cat. And he did this because he was finding early on that many of his patients were coming back to him and they were missing their fingers and their toes. And he couldn't work out what was happening. And then it took him a few months to figure out what was happening and he he found out basically that rats were coming in in the middle of the night and eating their fingers and toes of the sufferers. Because one of the things that leprosy does, it, it numbs the nerves. So you have no sensation in your body parts. And so he began to prescribe cats. And so the point I'm making, in quite a long fashion, is leprosy was a very serious disease. Very serious. That sounds horrendous to us, doesn't it? Imagine, thousands of years ago, no medical care, no understanding, nothing and suffering from this disease. And sufferers in biblical times, they were, they were isolated from their communities, and that was a biblical law. If you look with me in uh, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 13, and I, I want us to just understand a little bit about leprosy so we get the point of the text this morning, in case you're wondering, he's not going to just you know, regale us with stories of gloom and terror all morning, but we need to understand how the world thought about this illness. So Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45-46, say this, The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, Unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Now, outside the camp, in verse 46, is an interesting phrase here. You see, in Bible times, there were no refuse collections, there were no sewage works. All human waste, uh, or the carcasses of, uh, of dead animals, of sacrificial bulls, dung, even the bodies of some criminals, they were all put outside the gates of the city, outside the camp, it was called... And it was a filthy, stinking hovel. When God, in Numbers chapter 12, made Moses' sister leprous, she was put outside the camp. All lepers had to live outside the camp. Blasphemers were stoned outside the camp. If a plague touched a house, it was to be dismantled. The entire thing and thrown outside the camp. You find that recorded in Leviticus 14. Those who broke the law, according to the Sabbath, in Numbers 14, were killed, or were to be killed, outside the camp. 
Warriors returning home from battle, if they had any blood on them, were to dis- disrobe, take all their armor off, and place it outside the camp before they could enter the city so as not to, to pollute the place. So outside the camp was a place of defilement, uncleanness, impurity, corruption, dirtiness, filthiness, pollution, contamination, condemnation, punishment, rejection, castigation, and reproach. It is where disease, dung, and death lived. And anyone who was banished outside the camp was excluded, isolated, and completely ostracized from their community. In fact, if you suffered from leprosy in, uh, uh, in, in ancient times, often your family members would hold a mock funeral for you to indicate that you died to them. How terrible must that have been? They were known as the living dead. And, and as we read in Leviticus, every time they came anywhere near a person, they were to shout out the words, unclean, unclean. They certainly weren't allowed to run up to people, as we read in Mark's text. They weren't allowed to be anywhere near people. It didn't matter who you were, what position you held in society, how much money you had. If you caught the disease, your life was pretty much finished. Again, just as an example of this, remember King Isaiah, 2 Chronicles 26. King Isaiah, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 21. Look how he was treated. He was punished for disobeying the Lord. 2 Chronicles 26, 21. King Isaiah had leprosy until the day he died. The result, he lived in a separate house leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had uh, charge of the palace and and governed the people of the land. Total, complete separation, isolation from family, from friends, from society, from God's people. No conversations, no human touch, nothing. Now, we read Mark. Chapter 1. Now we understand. A leprous man came and fell at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man, let me assure you, would have been on the verge of complete desperation. Ravaged. We know from the scripture he's ravaged with this disease. How do we know that? We know that from Luke chapter 5 verse 12, which tells us that he was full of of leprosy. It says covered in the NIV, literally translates as full of it. So he wasn't just a little bit affected, he wasn't feeling a little bit stiff and a bit sore, you know. He was covered. He was nearing the ends. And he'd heard about this God-man, Jesus, doing great miracles and reaching out to the, to the fringes of society. And so this disgusting, disgusting Filthy, stinking, deformed mess of humanity breaks every law, every law written, and runs and flings himself on the ground and cries out to the Lord, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
And look how he comes to Jesus. No demands, no hissy fits, no complaints about his illness. If you will, he simply says, cleanse me. And I want us to note something important about the text. I want you to note that he did not beg to be healed, but he asked to be cleansed. And cleansing and healing are two very different things in the Bible. And you can bet that that man knew the difference. If he wanted to ask for a healing, he would have asked, Lord, heal me. But he knew deep down inside that his biggest need at that moment in his life was a spiritual one, not a physical one. He knew that the problem that he faced in his life deep down was in his soul. He needed cleansing. Trust me, healing would be a bonus, and you'll get that. But this man asked for cleansing. If you were willing, look at the words, if you were willing Contrast that with many in Christian circles today who think that the Lord somehow owes them a healing. That's their right to be healed of whatever is inflicting them at that moment in time. Here is the man asking Jesus to make him whole again, spiritually clean. And we know because the same word he uses here for cleansing is used in 1 John Chapter 1 and verse 9, where it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. The NIV translates purify, but it's and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's the same words used. Cleanse me, purify me. And what we have before us in Mark this morning, then, is a picture of the human race, every single one of us in this room, defiled and blighted by sin in our lives. Before God, all of us are just as unclean on the inside as lepers appear to people on the outside. God finds the sin that we hide as ugly and as terrible as we find Hansen's disease. And God cannot even look upon us in our sinful condition. God can have nothing to do with sin. He is holy. We've been singing about this. He is awesome. He is mighty. His face is set against sin and sinners. Look at Isaiah 59 verse 2. Excuse me, Isaiah 59 verse 2. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And often scripture will use uh, illness and and, and leprosy in this case uh, as a comparison, as an illustration of sin. Turn back in Isaiah to to chapter 1. Here the Lord is talking about the sin of Israel, his people. He's comparing their sin to leprosy. Chapter 1, verse verse 4. 
Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They've forsaken the Lord, they've spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Here you go. Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. There there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged with oil. And see, sin is like leprosy in that it contaminates everything in our lives. Our sin has cut us off from a holy God who will not allow us into his presence in our sinful condition. We are outside the camp. We are outside the presence of the Lord in our sinful condition. We have no access to him. We have no hope of access to him. We are destined for hell without hope for all eternity. And so it would have been so easy to look at a leper... And to look at him and to imagine that his deepest need in that moment was physical. The thing that he needed most was Jesus, heal him, take away his sickness. But his deepest need, and he knew it, was for Jesus to cleanse him, to purify his soul. Physical illness lasts a lifetime. Spiritual sickness lasts an eternity. Never forget that every human being born on our planet is a spiritual leper, lives a spiritual leper, and will die a spiritual leper cut off from Almighty God forever. That, my friends, whether we're in Dubai or Scotland, is the spiritual reality of the human race. Man, this Scottish dude's heavy, isn't he? But hey, let's get to some good news. Because thankfully for us, the story doesn't end there, does it? Notice Jesus' reaction to this man in verse 41. Filled with compassion, moved with pity, literally, actually, for those interested, moved in his bowels is the literal translation. Remember, he's breaking every rule. This ugly mess is before him. Can you imagine the reaction? Everybody everybody took a big step back at this point. A big step back at this guy on the ground. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Their initial reaction would be, whoa, let's shrink back. I remember we lived in Brazil, and I loved playing football. Americans call it soccer. We'll never forgive them for that. (laughs) Some things friendships never transcend. (laughs) Football, okay? And I love football. Obviously, I was in Brazil, the home of football, played it all the time. And I remember we um, was playing on this dirty, mudden uh, place, and there was a massive thunderstorm broke out. And it was, oh, it was immense. But because we love football, we kept on playing. 
And I remember coming home, and I was caked from head to toe in, in mud. Um, I mean, because when I was Scott, I used to dive in these big puddles and slide along the ground. Very childish, I know, but it was fun. Anyway, I was covered, I was caked, I knocked on the door. I think Miriam or one of the girls answered, and I said, Daddy's home. Who loves me the most? And they screamed, and they were off. And I'm chasing them around the house, dripping mud, uh, dirt everywhere. And they were like, get away from me, get away from me. Clean yourself up. Could you imagine how repulsive leprosy would have been to come anywhere near you? Can you imagine hugging, touching, kissing a person like that? It's easy to feel pity when I'm describing it. Oh, it's terrible, yeah, it's awful. We'll all go home and have a cup of coffee and see how terrible it was. But what about inviting them into your home? Breaking bread with you. But not Jesus. Move with compassion. Move to the pit, literally, of his stomach. And then he commits, culturally, the ultimate no-no. He touches the man. He reaches out and touches him. Actually, the text isn't strong enough. He clasps him. It's not just a passing touch. He clasps hold of him, grips him firmly. And Jesus didn't need to touch him, did he? To heal him or cleanse him. He, didn't, he could have said a word and it would have been done. He's done that before. But that touch from Jesus communicated more, I think, than anything else in that man's life. Just think, as I described earlier, how long he would have been without human contact. Listen to what Dr. Brand says about lepers. This is what he wrote. He says, The loneliest people of all are the ones for whom leprosy has also destroyed their sight. Like many others in the world, they're blind. But unlike most of the blind, they can't use their hands to bring them the sensations that their eyes are denied because they can't feel either. They are really alone. How much do you think that touch was worth to that poor man? And you know, that touch tells us something more than just, well, Jesus was really nice and he was compassionate and he loved people. It tells us that not only was he willing to heal this man, but he makes himself unclean in the eyes of everybody there in order to cleanse him. If this is not pointing to the cross, then I'm giving up and going home. It's pointing us, this story, to that great sacrifice when Jesus took upon himself the full wrath of God, when Jesus became sin for us so that we, in turn, could become righteous. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 5.21. Famous words, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This points to that great transaction when Jesus took our sin and our filth upon himself and then when he gave to us in return his perfect spotless righteousness 
A picture here in this healing that can only be fully understood in the light of Calvary. Look at the text. Jesus cleansed him and he was cured. Cleansed him and he was cured. In cleansing him, he wasn't just taking away his illness. and His illness went, but he was restoring him back to his covenant community, back to his family, back to his friends. More importantly, back to the temple to worship the Lord God Almighty with his people. This is a miracle about restoration, about being reconnected. That's what people want in our world. They want to belong. People may not suffer from leprosy around here, but I bet you many people are very unhappy and depressed and sad and lonely and isolated. I can imagine this would be an isolating place for many people. I imagine many people just want some compassion, some kindness shown to them. I think we're still called to touch the untouchable and love the unlovable in our worlds. And they're all around you in Dubai. They're all around you in this room, I'm willing to wager. The question is then, do you even notice them? Who are those, even within this church community, that could do with some contact? That perhaps you could embrace and welcome into the fold? Are you rushing for coffee and and pastries? Good pastries, by the way. Are you rushing? Because I'm I'm an observer. I like to observe. I sit on those sofas back then. I've been watching for a few weeks. Maybe you're rushing for pastries with your friends, the ones you know, your little clique, your little gang. I'll stick with them. What about the guy sat on his own over there, the lady who's looking a bit lost or stumbly? Well, someone else will take care of them. Maybe ministry people or something. What about these people? They're not lepers, but I bet they feel like ones. People want connection. They want community. They want love. What better place to find it than in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now notice, he sends the man away, doesn't he? He sends him away in verses 43 to 44 with a stern warning. Don't tell anybody what's happened. In fact, all he had to do was go to the priest and to get verification that this miracle was the real deal. Now, why would Jesus do that? Why would he send the guy away to the priest? You know, Mark's gospel, if you read it, it is full of these little incidents when Jesus told people to keep quiet about what he'd done for them. He, he healed a deaf man. He brought a girl back to life. He restores the sight of the blind man. He drives out evil spirits. And every time in Mark's gospel, he says to people, don't tell anybody what I'm doing. It's a fascinating part of the gospel. But why would he do that? Why is Jesus saying that constantly? Now, uh, you know, I don't think he's trying to keep it a secret. I don't think it's a sign of a secret mission or something like that. I don't think he's all modest. But I do think that Jesus was trying to stay on track for why he came. Look at Mark 1, verse 38. 
So Jesus, what happens is he does a miracle. People say something. Crowds clamber all over him. And then he, he says to his followers, look, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages. Why? So I can heal loads of people and do fancy miracles and, and get famous? So I can be the man? No. So I can preach there also. For that is why I've come. He came so that people would repent and believe in the gospel. He didn't want to deflect from the real reason he had come. And that was to save people's souls by dying on the cross. So, my friends, is this me? So, my friends, we miss the real reason or purpose of this text if we make it about healing. I've heard some shockers on this, on healing. Jesus wants to heal everybody and be their best friend. Rubbish. Look, can God and does God heal today? The answer is yes, if he so wills. Sometimes he wills to heal, as in the case here of this leper. And other times he wills not to heal. I don't know why. Dave doesn't know why. Nobody in the room knows why. But you know what? We do know. We know that we can trust in God's purposes, which are far greater and wiser than ours. I do know something, though, in the context of healing. Any miracle or healing that takes place today must always lead us to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it is Jesus that takes precedent over any supernatural event. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus and lift up the gospel to us. So Jesus sends this guy to his local priest. And we know he does that because it was only on the say-so of of this priest that this man could return to his family, uh, could return to society, and most important of all, he could return to the temple and begin once again offering sacrifices to the living gods. But he also know that this man, and it says in the text, would be a testimony to them about what had happened and who Jesus was. The priest had no power to heal. Only Jesus had that. So this, in Mark's Gospel, is the Son of God making it very clear about who he was and what his intentions were. The kind, compassionate healer who had come to die for the lost and the outcast. Remember the leper? He lived outside the camp with the trash and the scum. Well, let's consider Hebrews. I'm hoping Hebrews comes up. Hebrews 13, verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city, literally outside the camp, to make people holy through his own blood. Jesus went outside the camp to bring us home. That's what Jesus did. He did it so we could enter one day the heavenly city. I love this stuff. I love the gospel. I love the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus went outside their camp to bring us in to the holy city of God so that we could worship him there. Let me end with these just few words. You know, there are suffering people in this room today. I know that. There are lost people in this room today. There are cynical people in this room today. There are confused people in this room today. There are lonely people in this room today. There are people in this room who want to change their lives, but they feel powerless to. There are those in this room who are looking for some sort of meaning in their lives, but they've yet to find it. There are those looking for hope, and some looking for the purpose of existence. There are those who don't really know what to believe. They don't really know what to think about all this Jesus stuff. There are those of us who do believe and love the Lord Jesus with every fiber of our being. There are those of us who love him and trust him for the forgiveness of our sins. Then there are those of us who are living in sinful disobedience to his will for our lives. And all of us stray off the path at some time. But whoever you are, whatever you're here, whatever is going on in your life, the answer is always the same. It is the gospel. All of us will bow the knee to King Jesus one day. And like this leper, All of us, while we breathe, there is a chance to throw ourselves at the feet of the Lord Jesus and say, if you're willing, Lord, cleanse me. Forgive me. Help me. Put me back on the right path. Save me. Whatever you've come here to do. Ask Jesus to have mercy, and he will. We've no need for sacrificing birds and animals anymore. The Bible says that it is the blood of Jesus that will truly cleanse us and purify us and heal us completely from all our sins. This man was healed instantly. Come to Jesus. That's all I've got to say, really. Come to Jesus. Have your life transformed by Jesus, but not the way you think from the outside in, but from the inside out. Have your sin problem dealt with at the cross of Christ. Have your spiritual leprosy cured. Maybe you're sick and you're battling an addiction or you're battling a secret sin or an illness. Maybe you've done it a hundred times. But come again. Reach out to Jesus. Trust me. He will reach out to you. Come to me, he says, all you who are heavy, burdened, and I, and only I will give you rest. Let's do business with the Lord God Almighty here in this place today. Come and see your leaders, your pastors, your group leaders for prayer. Whoever you are, however long you have been saved, kneel before King Jesus and he will cleanse us from all our sin. May God help us as we seek him. Amen.